The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of WinningPonies.com. We've got uh, some excellent guests today. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Steve Haskin and, and Bobby Newman, who uh, helped us with the show last week. Uh, this week... Uh, we're going to be talking to Bob Fortas, the award-winning writer out of New Orleans, especially since the fairgrounds has just started. And then our guest handicapper will be Marcus Hirsch, who writes for the Daily Racing Forum. He's also one of their international correspondents, and he's got some good beats. He's got Chicago and New Orleans, and we'll be handicapping races from both of those regions. Let's uh, start the uh, news segment out on a high note. Uh, Former jockey Robbie Davis got his first win as a trainer. He's got a one-horse barn, and his daughter brought home a 39-to-1 shot by the name of Sandy in the Sun. His daughter is Jackie. Uh, she's a graduate of uh, Chris McCarron's uh, North American Racing Academy down in Lexington. As you know, we've had Chris on the show. And uh, it was just really a feel-good story of the week. Uh, according to Robbie, it was better than any win uh, he had ever rode. Uh, it, it was uh, an incredible race, uh, unimaginable. Uh, what, what a feeling. Uh, this, again, a one-horse barn returned eighty-one fifty. He bought the horse for something like $770 up at Saratoga. Uh, now, his daughter did ride the horse the first time, but she had a commitment uh, the second time that Sandy and his son went out. And Robbie came out of retirement to ride the horse. Well, uh, his daughter was beaten about 29 lengths the first time. He was beaten about 50. So Chris McCarron couldn't help but give him a call and uh, and say, hey, your daughter's 11 lengths better with you. Well, Sandy and his son, again, had a few other uh, starts. And uh, Blinker's on and with Jackie up, uh, just got the job done. I was talking to Chris McCarron earlier today, and he said to go back and watch the video. That was just an incredible ride, the only time that Sandy and his son was in front was at the wire so good good to see another one of his graduates going and you might want to keep your ear to the ground because uh, there could be another davis in the mix uh chris mccarran told me that he's got a new student in his class 18 year old kid by the name of dylan davis yes robbie davis's son robbie didn't push the kid into riding but he said if my sister can do it i want to try it uh, so he's down at mccarran's program in lexington Chris said he was green as all get out, and within about a month, the kid's out cantering in the field. He says the kid's a natural, a fearless, and inside word is that he gave Sandy and the son his last breeze up at Belmont Park before that horse went on to become a winner. So really a good upbeat story there um, out, of, out of New York. Um, the uh, rapid redo uh, radar is on again. 
Laurel Park, December 13th. He's looking to tie the all-time North American record for victories in a calendar year when he starts in the sixth race. Uh, that's uh, December 13th, the sixth race, and uh, that is going to be a Tuesday for those of you out there uh, viewing. Um, so we'll find out. You know, he'll be cl- closing in on, uh, on say, Citation's record. Uh, quite an achievement. Again, he's done it at, at different levels, but, you know, any horse that uh, can go with uh, 19 wins and 20 starts is just uh, un- unbelievable. And uh, so we'll be watching for a rapid, rapid redo when he goes to post at Laurel. Uh, he, has, he has won there before. You know, this horse is just amazing. Uh, he's started at seven different tracks at distances from five furlongs to a mile and eight, using seven different riders. And uh, J.D. Acosta, who's been aboard six times during the streak, will have them out that day. Well, Uncle Mo's retired, but uh, it looks like his old stable mate is going to be uh, pretty busy. Uh, Stay Thirsty is going to have uh, an interesting four-year-old season. Uh, they say they probably won't race in Florida, and they're going to focus on the second quarter of the year. Uh, he might start in, in the Westchester at Belmont and possibly uh, the Met Mile. And uh, so he's going to be uh, on the track while Uncle Mo will be at stud. Uh, some not-so-encouraging news out of New York, uh, Jackie Jorge Chavez uh, was unseated during the running of the ninth race at uh, Aqueduct on December 4th. He's going to be out for five months as a result of injuries that include a broken collarbone, broken ribs, and broken vertebrae. Uh, Chavez, of course, uh, is, is no youngster, and uh, we certainly wish him a quick return to the saddle. As you may recall, this native Peru was a leading rider on the Naira circuit from 94 to 99. Uh, he won the 1999 Eclipse Award as the nation's outstanding jockey, and he also won the 2001 Kentucky Derby aboard Monarcos. Uh, also, uh, fans can get in the action. Uh, you can vote on the National Thoroughbred Racing site, www.ntra.com, for the NTRA Moment of the Year. This is a fan-based award. Um, we can uh, uh, look at some of the main races that you'll be able to look in at it or events. Uh, of course, it uh, was uh, Game on Dude and Chantel Sutherland surviving uh, the, uh, the inquiry and uh, capturing the Santa Anita handicap. Uh, uh, Uncle Mo suffering his first defeat, running third behind Toby's Corner and Aqueduct's New York Casino Wood Memorial. And, of course, you have Animal Kingdom's uh, big win in the Kentucky Derby. How about Blind Luck prevailing by a nose over potential horse of the year, Harve de Grasse, uh, so these are just some of the ones you can look at. One that was really heartwarming to me, because I was lucky enough to be there, was Joe O'Brien, who at 18 became the youngest jockey to win a Breeders' Cup race when he piloted uh, St. Nicholas Abbey to victory in the uh, Emirates Airline Turf at Churchill Downs uh, in the Breeders' Cup. So, uh, and of course, Rapid Redo will be in those moments. But you've got to vote. This is up to you, www.ntra.com. Want to take a, a quick look at the races that uh, we handicapped last week with uh, Bobby Newman, who will be busy this week, even though Calder's closed. Uh, we uh, did the uh, Tropical Turf Handicap, 
And the winner in here was Silver Medallion. He tracked second just off the hedge at the top of the stretch, made a huge move at 5-1 to one with Xavier Castellano in the saddle. This is a three-year-old, be turning four, and uh, it comes out of the stable of Todd Pletcher. Uh, Silver Medallion bested Mr. Ryder uh, in that race, and rounding out the field was number nine, Hollinger. Then the, the next race, the grade three, La Prabhavyant, as Bobby told me how to pronounce it, as a mile and a half at Calder. And this was just unbelievable. This was a horse of Suge McGee's that hadn't been out since January. Casablanca Smile, uh, a Chilean horse that uh, won the Chilean Derby. Uh, Suge obviously knew this horse was ready. Uh, the mare was put on top by Xavier Castellano, had a heck of a day on closing day at Calder, and went wire to wire, just got loose on the front end and kick clear it was a 610 all the way the 10 was cheetah a british bred who was the slight favorite uh from there we went to the fairgrounds where we'll be going uh tonight and uh we looked at the claiming crown of course a series of races and in here, it was It Happened Again, who just put in a huge move on the turn. It was a slight second choice at 5-2. to two. Shane Sellers in the saddle for Steve Asmussen. It Happened Again took the richest race of the day, the $150,000 claiming crown. And then it was out to Hollywood Park for the native diver. And as one headline said, kettle corn stuck to the rail. So uh, kettle corn getting the job done there on the rail at 8-1. to one. Just a perfect trip. Uh, did get Get tightened up by uh, Trey Barachos, uh, who was an eight to five favorite. Uh, little race ride in there by Joel Rosario, but Garrett Gomez got kettle corn through on the rail. Well, a uh, big week in racing, Gulfstream Park. They opened up early this year. Uh, they moved it back, trading off a couple weeks in April to run the entire month of December. Uh, part of that, of course, uh, they're going to get a lot of good simulcasting uh, dates, and they had a great season last year. Uh, Tim Ritvo said that starting to meet earlier and ending earlier fits better with the national racing schedule, considering the caliber of horses that will race here each winter. Um, also getting out of the gate, Tampa Bay Downs, uh, they began their 86th season of racing last Saturday. Uh, they're putting in the new track system. Uh, of course, the Tampa Bay Derby uh, will be there run on March 10th. So those are uh, two uh, uh, tracks that are opening. Of course, I spoke briefly about Bobby Newman. Uh, the track announcer, Richard Grunder, at Tampa Bay, was is going to be out with some eye surgery. Not very long, but uh, Bobby Newman is pinch hitting for him. So, speaking of tracks opening in Florida and track announcers, we have a surprise guest on WinningPonies.com from Hialeah. Some say the world's most beautiful track. It's a surprise call from the mellow fellow. My friend, Pete Aiello. Pete, are you there? I'm here. How's everybody doing tonight? Everybody's doing good from what we can see. How are things down in sunny Miami? Oh, well, actually, the weather's been good. It's uh, been a pretty good night right now. It's in the mid to low 70s, and the high today was about 80, so can't complain about that. Well, uh, uh, Pete, I know you wear a lot of hats down there. Just paint uh, with a broad brush for our listeners here uh, what they're going to see if uh, they come down to Hialeah for the meet. Well, you know, one thing that uh, myself, uh, being a horse player for so many years, has been trying to push uh, and really has got a little, got achieved down here at Hylia Park is that 
we really want the horse player to feel welcome here, whether you're joining us on track or if you're in the simulcast market. Um, we've come up with a competitive takeout structure that rivals Keeneland uh, with 12% takeouts on all of our horizontal wagers, your pick threes, pick fours, and pick six wagers. And, uh, you know, very competitive takeout structures, 18% uh, on whips. And our highest takeout right now is on Superfectus at just 21%, which is uh, among the uh, industry leaders that way. Uh, so hopefully the offsite folks realize that we do really care about the horse player down here at Hylia Park. And as we move forward and evolve and hopefully they'll reintroduce thoroughbred racing, we can really make a positive impact on the industry. That's what we're shooting for down here. Now, Pete, if I'm going to make a trip down there to see you, what days will you be racing live and what time should I get there? Uh, well, uh, we're going to be uh, Friday through Sunday racing calendar right now. Uh, we open Saturday, December the 10th, and race through February the 19th. So we're 11 weeks into the race meet this year. Uh, that's up from eight weeks uh, last season. So looking at 32 days and a first post time at 115. Move that back 45 minutes to hope uh, to get on TVG a little more often. Ah, there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Not a bad decision uh, at all. Now, uh, can we expect uh, any uh, promotions, any guys in flamingo hats riding bikes down the track? Uh, well, what do you got planned for the fans when they show up on some of the big weekends? Uh, well, you know, one of the things that we're doing, and uh, if our friends in New Jersey are listening, we actually had quite a few of them fly down, is we, you know, we want to give a, a fair shake to the handicapping contest players out there. Um, you know, our hands are tied with the Florida rules as far as doing your more traditional like type tournaments. Uh, so we just devise a, you know, a free tournament that you can play in. It's based on a point system, and uh, the prizes are as good as some of the other tournaments folks are used to be playing in. So we're going to be giving away about $10,000 in handicapping tournaments down here this year and have all kinds of games like uh, Show Viver and uh, our one and only innovative game, Let It Ride, where we give you a chance to uh, pretend you're Richard Dreyfuss out of the movie Let It Ride, which was filmed <laughs> here at Hylia Park, and uh, pick horses to continuously hit the board and uh, hopefully make a good amount of money. Well, speaking of picking horses, I've got two minutes left to my break, and you know that whenever the quarter horses go to post, I defer to you. I'll come up to the press box, ask you your opinion, uh, whether it be at a simulcast track or at River Downs when we bring the quarters in. Uh, you've got some uh, interesting races coming up. I-, I would like to hear your input here on the Orange Blossom. It's a $25,000 race, carded as your seventh on Saturday, and I believe there's a heavy hitter in there by the name of Skyline Lover. He is a heavy hitter, in fact, and uh, right now he's installed at 3-1 to one in the morning line. I would encourage uh, all of the national bank lenders to uh, close your doors early if 3-1 if to one is going to be the off price, because that would be one heck of a value. Um, to quote the, uh, the great wrestler Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And right now, nobody's been able to beat this guy. Uh, he won the Marathon Series here last year. He's going to be bidding for that again this season. Uh, the Marathon Series last year meant that he had to win four races, at three different distances over the course of eight weeks. And not only did he do it, he did it with style. Nobody could get anywhere close to him. Uh, I spoke with trainer Matt Fraser yesterday. I asked him how he was doing. He said uh, that he's got him as fine-tuned as he can. He comes off a bit of a dull performance at Beulah Park in the All-American Congress maturity, but Matt said that he just badly needed to run the horse. 440 is not his trip. He's more of a long-distance type horse. He loses his go-to rider, but from my understanding, the replacement pilot, Shanley Jackson, is more than capable of getting him the job done. And frankly, he looks awful tough to me. And for those that are in the exotic wagering business, I would strongly suggest a, 
six one exacta until they run out of paper at the self service machine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here first from my man. Pete Aiello, it's it's a skyline lover, fly and fish, and I'm telling you, folks, this guy knows his stuff. Uh, he not only knows how to handicap him, he's a, he's an outstanding race caller, not only at Hialeah, but the city of Cincinnati is blessed to have him at River Downs. Pete, it's always great to hear your voice. Keep your sunny side up, my friend. All right, guys, you guys take care. If anybody out there is coming down this way, make sure to let me know. All right, I sure will. That's uh, Pete Aiello from Hialeah. And coming up next, we're going to talk to an award-winning writer from the city of New Orleans, Bob Forrest. Until then, stay tuned to winningpolies.com. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, welcome back. I think you're going to enjoy this segment of the show. Uh, with me is Bob Fortas, one of the last surviving turf writers in North America. Uh, Bob, an outstanding writer, lover of the game. Uh, he won the prestigious uh, 2009 Old Hilltop Award for covering racing with excellence and distinction. Uh, he also won the 2010 uh, Naira Joe Hirsch Memorial Writing Contest, recognizing the best print coverage of the 2009 Belmont Stakes. I won't go on much longer. I just want to welcome to the show my friend Bob Fortis. Bob, how are you? Good, John. How are you? 
I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm a little bit colder, I think, up here th- than you are. But uh, I'll, I'll never forget the, you know, meeting you and getting to know you. Uh, I did the math on this. Um, 24 years ago, we were together down in, down in the press box at uh, the old fairgrounds. Uh, mm. I, I've got to guess, and I want to get your read on this, that things were a little different back then. We had uh, uh, Schwartzy the Clocker, and then, of course, uh, Buddy Abadie, uh, Rabbit, our runner, uh, of course, the character Tony Bentley, and, of course, who could forget the guy I was supposed to replace, uh, Black Cat Lacombe. Mm. It, it was a true cast of colorful characters. Uh, do you miss those days? Absolutely. I mean, just hearing those names, yeah, those were great days. Uh, describe to the people, if you can, some of the characters I just named or maybe some of the ones I missed. Well, I mean, Black Cat Lacombe was probably, he was one of the all-time greats, and his name was based on the fact that anything he bet on would would pretty much automatically lose. But that didn't keep him from betting, and it was really... It was really wonderful to watch him. He was, he was, he ran for governor. He used to promote boxing matches. He brought wrestlers up to the press box. It was, yeah, it was a lot different than it is now. And, um, yeah, I really miss him. He was, he was really something. He, he was a character. He, uh, for good luck, he'd always wear the two different black uh, colored <laughs> socks. And, and you've got to say, what a tribute. I mean, he wasn't forgotten when he passed away. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that as his casket was being brought to the cemetery, they stopped at the fairgrounds and did one lap around the track. Was that a that true is, story? That is true. And they also, um, at his wake, there were people reading the racing for him. <laughs> I mean, it was. <laughs> I yeah. doubt that he, he would have loved it. Oh, he would have loved it. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I miss those days too. I'm just glad I took photos because they they were some sensational times. Now, uh, Bob, obviously, you were back there in, in, in the, those days with me. Um, that was the day uh, of the Roussels. You, you've been through three different ownership regimes there on uh, Gentilly Boulevard, uh, the Roussels, the Crances, and now Churchill Downs. Uh, can you describe uh, the difference in each? Um, they were all different. I mean, um, Louis Roussel and Joe Dornack, um owned the track, and then Louis owned it. And uh, he ran horses, and, you know, he, was, he ran Risen Star during the time he owned the track. A lot of, a lot of good horses, and... Just a lot of horses, period, and it was pretty much his show. Then uh, when he sold his interest to the Crances, they had the track. Um, well, they, I guess it was, I'm trying to get my years straight. I think they bought it around 1990, and they had it until, uh, you know, they lost it in bankruptcy is what happened, and that's how Churchill got it. So uh, Churchill had it from the, they bought it like before Katrina, and then they've had it since then. Obviously a much different management style than back there when we were with Mr. Louie. Yeah, absolutely. It's a corporate um, manager, and, you know, you can, you can see that at all Churchill, Churchill tracks. I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, it's a, it's a corporation, bottom line. You know, uh, that's the way they run things, and... Um, Sometimes that's good, and sometimes it doesn't seem so good. So I'll leave well, that to, I, the, to the listeners. To I'm sure a lot of them have been to Churchill tracks around the country. 
Well, I, I think uh, I, I speak for both of us here when I say how much I loved the old grandstand. It was a world into itself. There were little nooks and crannies that people never went to another part. It was like their place, uh, the, pot, the palm room or the pine room, and there were certain oyster bars mm-hmm. that were just like everybody's neighborhood. Um, what, what was it like the, the day or the night that you got the news that, that the track was on fire? Well, actually, I don't live that far away, and uh, they were racing. It was a Friday, and the uh, first post on Fridays when they ran it, when they were running uh, then, was three o'clock. So the last race was dark, and I I just gotten home, and actually the people who were the chart callers from the racing forum, uh, Jim Turnbull and March Turnbull, sure. they were the last people in the building, and they actually called and said, "You should get come back here. There's some fire trucks coming." And um, I just drove right there and drove into the parking lot, and I could see immediately that the track was going to burn down because the wind was blowing, like, right down, you know, through the grandstand. along the grandstand, and it was really windy, and the fire was going really heavily already at one end of the building, and you could, the hoses really weren't, they couldn't really do anything. And there was an old wooden building. I mean, there was... It burned down very quickly, and there was no doubt when I got there that it wasn't going to um, be saved. It was a very sad, very sad night. People showed up from all over the city. Like, to, I mean, it was you just sort of watch in horror. It was, it was, it was really uh, something you didn't want to see. No, I can imagine how heavy your heart was. Then, of course, they they had the transitional season there uh, in between. Uh, that it was just kind of almost a, a temporary place, but but the meet went on. And, of course, now you've got a new facility. I have been down there. I've got to admit that as much as I miss the old facility, uh, that there's parts of the new one that are really nice, particularly the kind of uh, the, the paddock area and some of the amenities. Nothing will be like the old uh, grandstand. Uh, then, then along comes uh, Katrina. I mean, did Katrina have an impact uh, on the track and its patrons? I mean, it seems like so many people, you know, left New Orleans and never came back. Did, did that impact the, the track and, and some of the people that go there? Um, well, they didn't. For for one season, they ran they ran a little meet at, a, at Louisiana Downs in uh, a shortened meet to sort of because. There were a lot of repairs that had to be made, and uh, so they didn't run a full meet till like, the following year, which would be, let's see, Katrina was 05, so 05, 06, they ran the short meet at Louisiana Downs, so they didn't open again till the 06, 07 meet. And really, you know, um, here in the city, people, they really tried to come back to, like, the traditions of the city as quickly as they can, like... There was a Mardi Gras um, not long after, you know, in 06, and it was really for the local people, sort of a, it was really a time where people could think about something besides all the things that went wrong, you know, because of Katrina, and I think it was really a healthy thing, and the fairground sort of fits into that mold. When it reopened in 06, there was a huge crowd there. It was almost like, thank you, Lord, the fairgrounds is open again. <laughs> yes, so, so something of tradition is back and remains. Um, Bob, you, you've, you've been there uh, obviously a few years longer than, than I was because you were there when I got there, and that was 24 years ago. Um, 
Can you just kind of recall uh, real quickly, like, what were some of the favorite uh, horses or races that you've witnessed at the fairgrounds? Some of my favorite horses? I would... Yeah. Um, my favorite horses are probably Tiffany Lass and Risen Star, not necessarily in any order. Uh, Tiffany Lass was a filly that won the Kentucky Oaks, and she came to the fairgrounds, um, Lass Barrera Center, to, to his brother, Angel, and when she showed up, um, it was like, whoa, look at her. I mean, she was, she was an amazing filly. She, and she wound up winning the Kentucky Oaks. It was very exciting to see. And then Risen Star. Risen Star, I mean, he was, he was the hometown horse. Yeah, well, Louis Roussel and Ronnie Lamarck, who's a local car dealer, owned him. And, you know, if you saw the Triple Crown that year, you heard Ronnie Lamarck singing in the winter circle at the Preakness and the Belmont, which, you know, if you had enough cotton for your ears, that was probably okay. <laughs> but uh, I know, do it, remember. It was quite a. That was a great triple crown, just because of those guys. And the horse was such a phenomenal horse. He's a giant horse, and really, I think a really underrated horse. It was a shame that he got hurt, and or they, you know, they they decided to retire him. You know, they, he won the Belmont by almost fifteen lanes, so it's hard to to think that he was hurt all that badly, but that's what they did. And, uh, you know, he really didn't, he didn't get to run the rest of that year and, and, or, or ever again after the Belmont, and that was really a shame because I was looking forward to seeing him run in the Travers and then run against Ali Sheba, which uh, it turned out that year seeking the gold, ran second in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And, you know, he was a very good horse, but he, he wasn't, you know, in Risen Stars class. I remember holding a, a, a seminar down there. You may have been a part of it, and they brought out a, an unnamed two-year-old to show how equipment goes on horses, and it turned out that it was the son of Secretariat, and his name just happened to be Risen Star. <laughs> I'll never forget that, that that's the horse that they brought out to use just to show how an equipment went out a horse. Oh, but, my. Uh, as you know, the... Things that uh, they do things a little a little bit different down there. Um, I, I've got to ask you, Bob. I, I I do get to see you once or twice during the year at the you know the Derby or the Breeders' Cup. Is, is what's your favorite track outside of New Orleans? Wow, that's a good question. I really love Saratoga. I mean, I've always loved it, and uh, I just love the town and going up there and and uh, it's sort of a place where. You know, no one's talking about anything except horse racing, which, you know, can be quite pleasant, especially, you know, the way the world can be sometimes. You can get <laughs> lost in, just get lost in racing. and it's, it's, it's a great place to go. But, you know, most racetracks, you know, are great places to go. I mean, you can find the right, uh, you know, like you said, find the places to be and the places to hang out and, uh, you know, it. I like the older tracks. Truthfully, it's just uh, they have a certain feel to them. I mean, yeah. The one chance I had to go to Oaklawn Park, I really liked it because it reminded me a little bit of Saratoga. Uh, when they were racing live there, the city was just vibrant, and pretty much everywhere you went, you were running into people from the track or seeing people with a racing form under their arm, and it kind of had that same feel. Right. It's the only thing going on. So, I mean, I, I like that about you know that's a that's a nice thing. 
Well, Bob, as I see, we're coming up uh, to, the, to the bottom of the hour here. Uh, I want to thank you, you very much for your time, and I want to uh, remind our listeners that I think if they go to nola.com, they can get your columns. Yeah, they can. Well, I hope they do. You're a hell of a writer. We can use all the readers we can get. <laughs> well, I can tell you is uh, to the listeners of winningponies.com, go to N-O-L-A, NOLA, NewOrleans.com, and pull down the columns from Bob Fortas. He, he shoots from the hip. He's entertaining. He's definitely connected with the people on the backstretch, and he knows what he's talking about. So from the Times-Picayune, Bob, thank you very much uh, for, for spending some time with us on winningponies.com tonight. Thank you, John. Take care. All right, see you around the races. Okay. Okay, well, uh, that closes out uh, the first look at the fairgrounds and uh, New Orleans and kind of getting a feel for the racetrack. We're really going to get a feel for it on Saturday as it's Louisiana Champions Day. And, of course, this is another one of those cases where we will be comparing apples to apples because these are horses that are all Louisiana breds that have raced against each other. So it makes for a really good day of handicapping, and we couldn't have got a better guy than Marcus Hirsch who's going to help break the day down for us. He is the Daily Racing Forum's columnist, beat writer, and handicapper uh, for the fairgrounds. So we'll be back in just a little bit on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me is Marcus Hirsch. If you've ever bought a daily racing form, you've probably read some of his columns. He's been with the form about 13 years now, and uh, he's the co-international correspondent. Of course, he's the daily racing form's weekly features writer, uh, and he has uh, what what I feel is a 
pretty darn good beat. He gets to cover uh, Chicago and New Orleans. Marcus, welcome to winningponies.com. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm happy to. Well, listen, you've been with the form uh, over a decade. Uh, how did you get the bug? How did you get into racing? You know, get, paint uh, a picture for us. Um, well, let's see. When I was living in uh, Davenport, Iowa, as a high schooler, I started going to Quad City Downs a lot of evenings and betting on harness racing. <laughs> <That was laughs> we all got to start somewhere. Yeah, that was really my, that was really the initial exposure. I just had a friend who was into it and I think his dad owned a horse. And that's, um, so there was that and then you know, I dropped out of college after a year and I, I had a bunch of different kinds of jobs. But then the one, what I did for the longest time during this kind of lost period was I got a job at a horse farm outside Lexington called, uh, Gainesboro Farm. That's, uh, that was shaped Matum on Matum's farm. Sure. I was working there. I worked there over two years. And, um, you know, it was so long as I stayed with anything at that time. And I just really, you know, somebody told me right when I got there that once you get started with horses, you, you will, you'll find yourself constantly going back to it. And I thought it seems like, you know, kind of an old wives tale sort of thing, but <laughs> here I am 25 years later. You know, well, so. now, now, if you dropped out of school, where did you hone your writing skills? What writing skills? <laughs> You're just talking about horses, huh? Uh, well, um, let's see. I was. I finally went back. I finally got a degree, and I was an English major, and I was doing a lot of writing at school. And that's when I ended up in Lexington again, and I got a job at Bloodstock Research Information Services, BRIS, and then I moved over to the forum. I got laid off. I got hired back. And when I went to work for the forum, I was doing the page layout and stuff, but I was, you know, I was definitely into writing, and I was always kind of angling to try to to, to move over to that, and they, it eventually worked out. Well, it obviously did. Now, th- there's another step either that you took or that somebody decided it would be good for you to take, and, and that is your role as the co-international correspondent. Uh, how did you ease into that? Uh, well, that just I just started doing international stuff this year. Um, we had some personnel changes, and there was a need. And so uh, one of the California correspondents, Steve Anderson, and I were asked to split up the work. Uh, which we did. So, you know, I, I've spent quite a bit of time <laughs> learning a lot. I mean, I, I kind of vaguely followed European stuff, and I'd been to Dubai a few times um, to cover the World Cup, but I am still learning things all the time. Um, and, and actually, it's been pretty interesting. I, I followed the whole European scene pretty closely this year. You know, it's obviously it's people chase time, and we don't do as much of that, but I felt like, you know, coming to Breeders' Cup and stuff, I had a much better handle on everything that I'd ever had before just because I'd paid so much attention to it. And I really like it. It's a nice change of pace. Well, just briefly, since you have become a student of it, how awesome is Frankel? How awesome is he? Yeah. Um, I'm one of these horrible, like, bitter, pessimistic, skeptic people. I never believe anything until it's completely thrown in my face. I... I, I want to see more, <laughs> you know. I, I you want to see like more than a I perfect like lifetime. I feel huh? like he's overhyped. 
I mean, uh, he's been against short fields, and yeah, he destroyed the best horses he ran into. But Canford Cliff, he ended up. He didn't run very well when Franco beat him so easily. And I just don't. I don't think he's been in a race with a, a really good horse who has even tested him yet. So I don't know. He he's obviously very brilliant, and but uh, I'm I'm reserving final judgment on the awesomeness oh. of Franco. Although. I mean, it's definitely something to look forward to. I really want to see what he'll do next year. And I only know what I read, and and of course, you know, his own connections and everybody are saying this is one of the most magnificent horses I've had in my presence. And I don't know if they're just overhyping it, but most of those guys are pretty straight shooters, aren't they? Well, everybody tends to hype their horse, especially if he's going to be a stallion, right? I mean, that's part of the whole game. But that being said, you know, uh, Dreadmond is not... I mean, they're they're not cool more. Where you know that it's you know, it's all business, 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 business. Talk up everything, um, and so yeah, I give it a little more credence when it's Henry Cecil and Terry Grimthorpe and Judd Mock and maybe some other people who are, are very very much you know commercial breeders. All right, well, let's switch gears right now and go about as far away from Europe as you can. Actually, I shouldn't say that. We'll go to what I think is America's most European city, and and that's New Orleans, a place you get to spend some time and certainly a place you get to do your handicapping. Uh, We've got the the big day, uh, Louisiana uh, Champions Day down there. Uh, You've selected a couple of races, and what I'm going to do is, because I know you're a a Windy City guy, is we'll we'll do... Three races from the fairgrounds, and then we'll go to Hawthorne, Hawthorne Park. And uh, we'll, we'll start out with the uh, Louisiana Champions Day turf. Uh, it, it looks to me in here, as I go through the racing form, one of the uh, elements I like is the bold face, who beat who, that the form introduced several years ago. Yeah, and uh, what, what, I, what I keep seeing that's, in that's here is... do it in Europe totally. Yeah. Is, is all who beat who. That's the only way they have of rating horses. So it's it's a great tool. Well, it's it's great here because I two sons of I'd seem to come to the top here. I'd be from the bayou and I'd like a double. And then the fly in the ointment could be this promising three year old old Bushmills who seems to be an upstart. I just wish there weren't so many um lines on his past performances that say that he needs time between races. So I'd like to get your take uh, on the 21st running of the Louisiana Champions Day turf. Okay, well, I, I don't have the morning line in front of me, do you? No, I don't. That's the way I like to handicap. <laughs> um, I think that Kissimmee Kyle is going to be favored. And I, I, I like that horse, number two. Um, he was second in this race last year to uh, a horse named Snakebite Kit, who just got hurt last month and has since been retired. But Snakebite Kit was kind of a standout. Um, and Kissimmee Kyle, uh, while not able to keep up with him, I think is probably the best of this bunch on his day. He did, he was off for quite a while, and um, he was badly beaten fourth last time out. Um but I wouldn't let that race throw you off. That was just kind of practice for this race. It was rained off turf. He needed a start, and he was always being pointed to this spot. So that was my top pick. I'm, this is the start of a pick four, which I, is a bet that I like, 50-cent minimum. I like that a lot. And I'm kind of going to put him on top and, and use him as kind of an A horse and then throw a couple Bs. One of them would be the horse you mentioned, Old Bushmill. Well, I agree. It's been, he's been laid off a lot, but never... 
at long. He's still a three-year-old. Um, and But the issue with him is he ran his best races at Louisiana Downs, which is a completely different kind of turf, turf horse than fairgrounds. Um, and you just don't know how that's going to transfer. This horse, Wild Rally, a seven-year-old, he does like fairgrounds, but he's not what he once was, really. He, he moves up if the turf's wet, but I don't think it's going to be wet. And then, of course, a little bit, John, like old Bushmill, is this horse, String King, who we saw another horse who ran well at Louisiana Downs only, so we don't know how he's going to run at fairgrounds. But he's also a three-year-old with maybe some more upside than a couple others in the race. Well, I'm kind of seeing that, that trend in a couple of the races that we're going to be uh, handicapping here. Now, I've got about two minutes before we come up to break, but I don't know if there's going to be too much to say. In the Louisiana Champions Day Classic, 150000 I think that's the biggest purse of the day. Yeah, it looks like it's Star Guitars Race to Lose, and if there's a horse that can do it, it would be populist politics. But this Star Guitar, if he wins this, he's hands down horse of the year in Louisiana, isn't he? Oh, yeah. And, well, he should be. And he's trying to win this race for the third year in a row. He won by four lines last year and seven and three quarters, I believe, in 2009. In the Louisiana bread competition, he has won 17 of 19 starts. And even though he's six turning seven, his skills do not seem to be badly diminished. Um, so, to me, it's I'm only going to consider two horses on top in this race. Um, the two that you mentioned... The three-year-old populist politics actually was quite impressive winning that off-the-turf Mr. Sulu on opening day. And um, he ran an open derby. I don't know if you saw the super derby, but he made a huge move there. The problem is there's not really any pace. He's a dead closer, and Star Guitar is going to get first run. That's probably going to be too much to overcome, I imagine. Well, he's going to be getting five pounds from Star Guitar. Uh, I did notice that uh, he's faced some really top open company this year in uh, Prayer for Relief and Redeemed. I mean, uh, Redeemed came out of the Oklahoma Derby and came back, I believe, one in New York. So this is, again, a three-year-old facing older horses that I think has got a lot of upside to him. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's going to be the best horse that Star Guitar has met in this race in the last three years. So it could be a little bit more of a challenge for him, certainly, than last year and the year before. Well, all I can say is that uh, Louisiana Champions Day is Star Guitar's Day to Shine. He won the Juvenile in 2007, the Sprint in 2008, and won the last two classics. He's going for a three-peat in the Louisiana Champions Day Classic. Uh, with me again, the handicapper and writer Marcus Hirsch. We're going to take a brief break on winningponies.com. When we come back, we're going to do another Louisiana race, the Champions Day Sprint. Thanks for listening on winningponies.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Engelhart. got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with john or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com now back to winning ponies with john Engelhart. and with me ace handicapper from the daily racing forum marcus Hirsch. Marcus, I don't know if you're like me, but I really like these state bred days. I was actually at Emerald Downs when they had their their Washington Day of Racing. Uh, I, I really kind of enjoy handicapping uh, races where you, you don't have horses coming from every which way and, uh, you know, d- different parts of the country, different surfaces. And if they have come from a different surface, it's probably another one in their own state. Uh, do you find that enjoyable about handicapping on a day like today? Um, yeah, to some extent. Uh, sometimes, you know, there, the problem is you get weak divisions, and there are a couple races on Saturday at fairgrounds, you know, where because the races exist, you know, there are, they they have to keep running them, but they you know, there are short fields and nobody has really a lot of appeal, and that that can I don't know if you're interested in multi race wagers, maybe that messes things up for you a little bit. But uh, on the whole, I do agree with you. I mean, I think it's a great way to reward breeders and states um, with a chance to run for a little bit more money and have more prominence and not feed the states to the open horses. And and in general, I think it's a successful venture, and I do enjoy the days. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I like the state bred days, and uh, like you said, it sometimes it rewards the little guy. But they they stuck in there, and they decided to stay in their home state and keep the money in the home state. And you know, I, I think that there there should be breeders' incentives. Uh, in the, these different states, especially the ones that now have alternative gaming, there should be a little extra slice of the pie that that goes back into it. Because you know, I've seen uh, states like Ohio that are surrounded uh, by states that uh, offer alternative gaming, and mm-hmm. the farms are closing, horses are going away. You know, friends of mine are actually uh, who were longtime Ohio breeders are, are breeding in the other states, and you can't blame them. You know, if Indiana's no, going to offer you that much more money for the for the same uh, bred horse, you, you got to go there. Yeah, um, um, uh, on the other side of Indiana, Illinois, between Ohio and Indiana, and the full crop here is declining drastically. There aren't many stallions around anymore, and um, it has. You know, when they have the Illinois days three times a year, you, you do see the effect of the quality there still. Well, again, I know Louisiana is always, when you look at the numbers, has been fairly strong even before they had the alternative gaming monies uh, coming into their pools. But this is a a pretty solid day of racing that we're looking at. Well, uh, 
the uh, the Champions Day Sprint uh, looks like we're going to draw a field of nine, and I've yep. got chicken scratches all over uh, my 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 program here. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm thinking that my star runner may be the one to beat, but then I see yeah. a horse like uh, Chief J that could be an upsetter, or yep. uh, the Sue Casa G Casa that, that won the Juvenile last year. Uh, horses have been facing open company. Uh, uh, Unitas had a big wake up in the last. I should probably stop talking and get to the expert, but what I'm saying is, is this looks like this could be some betting opportunities in here. No, we're coming up with the same horses. I, I, I have those same, the first three that you mentioned on top as well. Um, My Star Runner and, and Chief J and Sukasa Jikasa, although I did, I picked Sukasa Jikasa on top, thinking he might be a little bit more of a price, but the more I looked at it, the more I thought maybe, you know, he's not going to be much of a long shot either, maybe Nine to two, five to one. The thing with him is he's drawn on the rail, John, and I don't know what you thought, but I saw quite a bit of speed in the race. I, I really don't want him to get sent out of there running and get, you know, hooked into a, a fast pace while trapped down inside. He has shown just a touch of rating ability, and I saw his two works since that comeback race last out at Churchill. His two works were both slow, like they were really trying to get him relaxed. Miguel right. Dana, who's riding him, is, I mean, he's a horse, he's a guy who takes horses off the pace a lot, so I'm just hoping they were maybe going to try to sit in behind him a little. You know, Brett Calhoun, the trainer, has a second horse in the race, too, who looks very speedy. Um, yeah, so, and I think that the fact he won last Champions Day, I love a horse that has shown already they can handle fairgrounds. He's one for one at that track. Uh, and I think he has a decent chance. I mean, my star runner is drawn a lot better. He was second in this race last year. Um, to a nice horse who didn't make it back in time this year, my um, I'm sorry, flashy wise cat. So my star runner is going to get a good trip. He's probably the one to beat. And Chief J, I think if you're betting pick fours or whatever, you would uh, do well to throw him in. He's capable. He has the right running style and to capitalize if there is a contested fast pace. Yeah, and again, another horse that that has won at at the fairgrounds. It was a five and a half uh, uh, in a restricted race. But uh, it just looks like, uh, you know, he had that little bit of a layoff. He's been running just behind my star runner, and his last start was only beat a half a length. But the thing that really brought my attention to my star runner was the, the horse that we've been talking about, and that star guitar. Uh, right. He t- decided to stretch out to a mile last time, and uh, for $100,000 ran into star guitar, uh, had the lead turning for home, and still managed to hold on for second, and that, that's going to push me on my star runner. Yeah, and... Um a mile at Delta is okay for him. The stretch is so short, but he just got beat by a better horse who who outlasted him. Um, I will say that you know the long, I don't know that the long stretch at Fairgrounds really favors him. He he got really run over in this race last year, but like I said, that horse, Flashy Wisecat, he's better than at his best than any of the uh, horses in this year's race. So I think my star runner is a deserving favorite and, and a must use in uh, in multi race wagers. Well, let's hope great minds think alike, because in that case, we've got some pretty great minds working here, Marcus. Uh, again, uh, Marcus also covers uh, the racing up in Chicago, and I thought as long as we've uh, got him on the air here, that we take advantage of his handicapping uh, locally. And uh, at Hawthorne, again, we're talking, uh, you know, state-bred horses, and the conversation continues. Uh, we're going to go to two-year-olds here. They're going to try to, some of them, stretch out to a mile and a 
16th. Some have gone, some of them have gone that long. And again, this is another one where I've got a lot of chicken scratches. I, I've got, uh, you know, uh, this, uh, 1200 is interesting with a series of solid fast works. Whether or not you can stretch out after sun power, I don't know. Uh, th- th- this, uh, real power could be an excuse horse. I mean, the horse has never been on a fast track. Maybe he'll like a fast track at Hawthorne. And then, uh, Blink King tries a mile on the 16th and put in a solid race there. And then you look at Prince Cheval. This horse, uh, could be a Kentucky bred, uh, by, uh, the sire of, uh, Animal Kingdom out of an alphabet soup mare. Uh, this horse is, is bred to go long, though it hasn't yet. So th- those are four that come to the top for me. I'm interested in knowing who you like. Did, I, did you mention Real Power, too? Yes, I did. I, you know, I, I just said that this is a horse that we don't know how good it will be. Yeah, Yan- Yankee Dealer was the one I was thinking of. There are three Chris Block trained horses. All owned by Rudy Tara, and Rudy and Virginia Tara, they own Giant Oak as well, all homebreds. And uh, Yankee Dealer looks to be, I think, the one most suited to this spot. Um, in talking to Chris Block, you know, you, you were talking about uh, Real Power's lack of a fast track, a fast uh, dirt race. They, he, he was kind of suggesting that he might, since he's more of a turf horse potentially, his best race was on grass that maybe a muddy track was even better for him, but that remains to be seen. He's still a maiden. Um, uh, yeah, um, Yankee Dealer, he beat that horse uh, all stormy. That's a Greg Geyer-trained Jim Taplone horse who um, I think has some ability. And the thing about Yankee Dealer is he, he's got tactical speed. He ought to be able to sit right in behind the pace, I think, um, although he might not be that close if, if uh, 1,200 goes winging out there in front. He's got a, he, you know, two route races over that tiring, deep Hawthorne track, which I think is a big edge. And I expect him to run well, and, and I think he'll win. Well, yeah, my, my notes on him with an exclamation point are likes the main track at Hawthorne, and he's two for two at the distance. You've got two-year-olds this time of year. A lot of them haven't even gone a mile on the 16th, and this horse has won twice at a mile on the 16th, twice at Hawthorne, and that's the distance of the Jim Edgar, Illinois Futurity. Yeah, he, he should be tough. I mean, the, the 1,200 horse is a little interesting. He, he he was stretched out to one of those, you know, early summer two-turn races at Prairie Meadows. Yeah, he, he won there. He won to lead, and he, he, he held pretty well. But, you know, Prairie Meadows route races are a lot different than Hawthorne. I, it, Hawthorne is more of a stamina track. And, and I, just, I just don't know if that horse is going to be able to see, you know, see out the distance without some sort of speed bias working in his favor. And Hawthorne in the winter can get really speedy if it's super cold and the track is very frozen. It's going to be below freezing, but I don't think that it's going to be a frozen track Saturday. So I don't look for a Bling King or 1200 to necessarily hold on in the Jim All right, folks. Well, those are the words of handicapper Marcus Hirsch. Marcus, I thank you for being on winningponies.com. Remember, we've got podcasts. If you miss any part of the program, you can come back and listen to the selections of the experts. And don't forget to bring down the products and services of winningponies.com. Once again, we hope you join us here every Thursday. If you don't catch it, catch the podcast. For winningponies.com, I want to thank uh, Pete Aiello, Bob Fortas, and Marcus Hirsch for being on the show with us tonight. From looking across the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I want to wish everyone a wonderful day at the races. And remember, bet with your head, not over it. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.